Well, hey, welcome, Water of Life. We are so excited that you guys are with us for another week of Water of Life online, but also those of you that are joining us here outdoors on the patio. We're so, so blessed to be together as a Water of Life family, regardless of where you're watching from or when you're watching. Uh, we love that you're with us. Hey, I just want to give you a warning up front um, that we are going to be taking communion this week as a family at the end of worship. So if you're at home right now, you don't have your communion elements with you yet, you can go ahead and find whatever it is you can find, all right? Bread, crackers, chips, water, juice, whatever you can find. God's not judging you. We know that you're having to kind of figure it out as you go right now. But we want to let you guys know ahead of time that we will be taking communion as a family um, tonight in our, today in our service. So, well, hey, my name's Marcus. I'm one of the pastors on staff um, in our next-gen department. Really excited to be with you guys this weekend. And I want to bring you up to speed on just a couple of things that are happening in the Water of Life community. Um, we know that your kids and even some of you college students have gone back to school this past week and maybe in the following weeks. We know that it's distance learning, that it's way different than it ever has been before. Uh, but just like you guys, Water of Life is kind of going back to school over the next couple of weeks. And I want to kind of bring you up to speed on what those things are. Um, if you are a part of the Water of Life family, you know that we love our school to ministry. It's a staple here. And if you're just joining us, what that is, is it's an awesome opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God, to learn more about the Bible, to learn how to disciple other people, to grow in your spiritual gifts. Um, and it's an incredible opportunity for you to just take another next step in your walk with Jesus. And our School of Ministry fall quarter is starting just around the corner in September. Um, and there's so many different ways, whether you're a new student or you're returning and you've been a part of School of Ministry for a while, this is going to be starting up for um, online virtual classes that are going to be taking place all throughout the fall. Um, and I have some information for you guys as far as like uh, meetings go and start dates and all that kind of stuff, but why don't you hear from a school of ministry grab before we get started. My name is David, and God has just done an amazing transformation in my life. Um, I've been attending Water of Life for about six years, and it wasn't until I started attending School of Ministry that this transformation started taking place. The classes were just amazing. And then to top it off, the community, the camaraderie with the teachers, the students, the staff, Pastor Dr. Dan Stewart uh, was really my motivation. When I saw him teaching the Word of God, I said to myself, I want to be like that. It's just one big family and everyone is loving into you, wanting you to become the person that God wants you to become. And I can say without a doubt that they were successful with me because I am on the road to becoming a pastor, attending Life Pacific University. You know, I always had these, these dreams of different things and never could I have ever imagined wanting to pursue a career in ministry. And now I can't think of anything else I want to do but that. I just have this desire, this hunger to just share His Word, to gain a better understanding. That way I can just help others understand it and lift people up utilizing the Word of God. School of Ministry may not make a pastor out of everyone, but it'll definitely make a disciple out of you. And I'm so looking forward to and excited for what the Lord is going to do next in my life.
Now that's just one of the many opportunities, the many stories that has come out of School of Ministry over the years. And if you're interested in learning more, uh, what you can do is you can text W-O-L-S-O-M to the number 818-818, or you can go to Wall Updates as well. But they have an information meeting on August 23rd at 2 p.m. They'd love to have you guys join them for that. And it's an awesome, awesome way to get connected and stay connected. And also, just like the testimony that we just listened to, um, if you feel like taking the next step outside of school ministry, maybe you graduated or maybe you want to to take an even uh, deeper step into learning more about the Bible, learning more about ministry, what it means to do ministry. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have what we call here at Water of Life a wall college uh, where you can take college courses, you can earn college credit and apply it to one of our our partner ministries or partner universities like a Life Pacific University that I even attended. Shout out LPU. Um, But it's an incredible, incredible opportunity for, for you if you're saying, hey, school of ministry was awesome, but I want to take a more, I want to take another step. I want to grow even more. I want to learn even more. Our Wall College has awesome opportunities, amazing classes for you to take to learn more about the Bible and God's will for your life. So what you can do is you can go to wallcollege.org and you can figure out all the times. Look at tuition, um, courses, um, even information meeting coming up in August and August 16th as well. But outside of those opportunities, as always, for A Water of Life, you can go to wallupdates.com for any information about what's happening here at the church. And if you choose to worship the Lord with your tithe and offerings, you can do so on the website as well as usual. But we are excited for the last week of our series. Who has enjoyed this series so far? If you're at home, make some noise. If you're here, make some noise as well. This has been an incredibly encouraging series, and Pastor Dan is coming to bring the last part of it. But um, I don't know about you, but last week's message really spoke to me, really stood out to me. God has never been afraid of anything. God has never been afraid of anything that I've been afraid of. And the one reason that we really have to worship is because of God's faithfulness, because of God's goodness, because of how good and consistent and constant he is in seasons where everything else is changing around us. So if you're here uh, with us or if you're at home watching online, I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump into a time of worship. So why don't we stand as we prepare, uh, prepare our hearts for worship. Lord, we thank you um, for the truth, Jesus, that you are, you are not a, a God that is filled with fear. You are a God that defeated fear, defeated sin, defeated shame and death on the cross thousands of years ago, God, so that we could walk boldly, walk courageously in who we are in you, Jesus, in the identity that we find in you, Jesus, and the relationship we have with you, Jesus. So God, I pray right now that as we worship you, that we wouldn't just worship so that our feelings would go away or that our fears would go away, but God, we would worship you because you are worthy of our worship, Jesus, because you are so good. And God, before we were even a thought in our parents' minds, God, you were good. You have been faithful, and your faithfulness will far outlast us, Jesus. So right now, in whatever circumstance we're walking in, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. God, we we claim your authority over our lives, and God, we set our sights on you, Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith. So God, come be blessed by our worship, be honored and glorified by our worship, and pray all this in Jesus' matchless name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's worship.
just tell him wherever you are. God, you're worthy of all the praise today. My life, my family. That's why we can sing this. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I thankful for Jesus tonight? Has he been good to anybody in this place tonight?
facing what I'm facing, God, but I'm bringing it all to you. He is my worship. All of my worship. I know it doesn't look promising just yet, but God, I'm going to give it to you anyways. He is my worship. All of my worship. Receive my worship. All of my worship. if you're online. We're going to take communion together today. Isn't it great out here right now? This is amazing. We're going to have to start adding services. It's packed. No, that we, we've talked about going on Sunday night too, so uh, we might just add some Sunday night services. So this is great, great. And if you're online, we love you. We want to welcome you. We want you to get your communion ready right now. We think everybody got communion on their way in. Is that right? Yes? You all have your little cups there. Now, those are a little tricky. You got to pull both of the plastics off of them, right? You know that? 
to get to it. Now, this one that I have, we'll have next time. This is the new, improved communion version for COVID-19. So, this is like, no, it's actually got the cup on the top, turn it over, and the bread on the bottom, so it actually works. The one you've got is a little more difficult. Those are the older ones, and we'll, um, we tried to get these for this weekend, but we weren't able to make it. So if you're at home and you've got juice, water, let's just prepare our hearts. I want to read to you from 1 Peter. Um, Marcus told you that we were finishing the series today, but actually we finished the series last week, Marcus. So it was great, though. I thought it was great. No, and it was a great series. So um, today we're going to start in 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a book about hope. And uh, he just makes this statement that's amazing, amazing statement. And talking about the heart of God and he says this about Jesus, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercies has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last times or last days. And friends, what, what's so important is just keep your eyes on Jesus right now. Just gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. Gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. I said to you last week, take your eyes off of social media for a couple weeks. Take your eyes off of the news for a couple weeks and find out if your joy level doesn't go back up. Because the reality is Jesus is an imperishable gift. That's what the scripture just said, that he doesn't go away. He's not gonna disappear. He's stable. He is the rock of your salvation. And he is our only hope, amen? So Father, we come to you today. We say, God, thank you for the bread. You told us to do this in remembrance of you. You gave up your life for us. You understood far better than we did that when you died, you would break the back of hell through your resurrection. So we celebrate that today, Father, living hope. Not something that's gonna die or go away, but a living hope. So we take the bread and we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for the resurrection and the life that you breathe into each of us every day. In the name of Jesus, take and eat. And then, Father, you took the cup. Lord Jesus, that last night, knowing the price you would pay to put hope in us that could never be stolen away from us. So we declare your greatness right now. We just say thank you, God, that you broke the enemy's back. We pray that you would give us, each of us, online, at home, in our living rooms, in our car, here on the patio, a living hope, Father. Something that can't die, won't go away, but it would be the rock of our salvation, your living hope. Thank you, Father. We take the cup. In the name of Jesus, take and drink. So Lord, we declare your sovereignty over our land, over our lives, and over our time together right now. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, the yellow-shirted people have got to pick up your cups on the way down the aisles.
be good. Is it going to come on? There it is. All right. Got your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Open to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, we taught this, I think I probably taught this 15 years ago. Great, great book. This is an amazing book. So want to jump back into it. But let's talk about this before we get into a living hope. Let's talk about some of the struggle here that we want to put in the rearview mirror. I thought that Artie's, uh, his, his whole branding for this series was amazing because really we do want to put the suffering in the rearview mirror and look ahead at hope, right? But let's talk about suffering for a minute because it's really important in Christianity. It's really important in your journey. It's really important how people view God is how they view suffering. And Peter has five chapters in it. And every chapter at some level talks about suffering. And so, but not in a bad way. Peter doesn't go, oh man, you gotta suffer. It occurs, the word occurs 11 times in this letter alone. That's a fourth of the times in the New Testament. And it's an interesting thing because he's writing about his own suffering, Peter's. Peter is about ready, by the way, it's like 63 AD when this is written, 64 AD, he was martyred by Nero. So Peter's gonna die in a year. And he was pretty certain, prophetically speaking, that it was almost over for him. They knew Nero was starting to crucify Christians, starting to persecute Christians at a very, very, very deep level when he wrote this letter. So there's a, an interesting picture here of Peter suffering, our suffering, Jesus suffering, and then God's glory over all of it. And how his greatness is just saying, I'm greater than all of that. Don't get sidetracked by suffering. Now, the truth is, is that the last few months, some of us have gotten sidetracked by suffering, right? I mean, it's just happened. It's just made it difficult for people. But chapter one, great verses here. I want to read them with you. Uh, out of chapter one, verse six or seven, let's read it loud. Let's read it together. I think it's up on the screen. I'm looking for it. Is it going to come up on the screen? There it is. Let's read it loud. Let's read it together. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's an incredible picture there of God saying, listen, listen, I know that there's some struggle, but don't lose perspective. You know, don't lose perspective because the perspective is this, God is so what? Come on, help me, God is what? He's great. God is so great. Jesus is so great. He said, listen, I died and broke hell's back so that you would be saved. So the reality is this. When we talk about suffering, though, when it just Peter covers it, it opens this huge Pandora's box. And I want to touch that. And then we're going to jump into the hope part and put this all in the rearview mirror. But, but you know, it's, I tell you every week that God is crazy about you. But, hey, you know what? If you have cancer, if you just lost a loved one, if you just lost your job, if you're struggling, it's hard to believe that, God is really crazy about you. People say that to me all the time. It's like, how can I put these two things together? God's crazy about me. I don't have a job. You know, it doesn't feel like God's crazy about me. But how many of you know that suffering is in kind of a weird way, very subjective? It is, it's subjective. And when I, when I say that, it's because of all my travels around the world. You go to third world countries and you see people in the slums, you see people in ghettos, and they're dancing and rejoicing. And they're shouting to God, God, I love you. You're so awesome. And you're sitting there as an American. You're going, what the heck? Did you guys like miss something here? You live in a ghetto. You live in a slum. But they're rejoicing. And that's when I say that I think suffering is kind of subjective. You know, if you go into the ghetto in Bombay, in Kenya, in different places around the world, and you see Christians excited, not just 
doing it, but excited about God. They're rocking the world, and they're in the midst of this hardship. There's like, whoa, man, some of them don't eat. They don't have enough food. They don't have enough money. They don't have enough stuff. But, 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 but in the Western world, we know this about suffering. It turns a lot of people away from God, doesn't it? Hello? Do you know most agnostics, what this group of people that we call today the new agnostics, they would say this, the reason we can't love your God is because he allows suffering. And such an interesting picture because they would say, we can believe in a God, but we can't believe in a God that allows suffering. We can't believe in a God that allows people to be hurt or wounded. And the reality is that everything in the Bible talks about suffering. Peter talks about us suffering, Jesus suffering, everybody suffering at some level. And, and many of us, we resent God whenever we suffer, don't we? Hello? Do you ever feel resentment towards God whenever things get hard for you? It's like, where are you? you know? And it just depends on how you react to your circumstances. The truth is this. Many people can't reconcile faith with famines, epidemics, wars, racism, things that inflict pain on people. They can't, they can't reconcile that. But when you, listen, when you yield to Jesus, how many of you figure this out? Jesus suffered more than all of us. Is that right or not? Come on, help me. And, and, he's, and he just said, listen, I won the battle. And th so you can be in suffering and still win the battle. Is that right? That's what Peter's talking about here. He's saying there's hope, 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 and hope. Don't give up. It's an issue of your father's character. Do you believe that your father is good? Because God is good. And we say it this way, God is good when? All the time and all the time what? God is good. God is good all the time. God, all the time, God is good. God is good. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. I mean, if you read the book of Job and his friends start cursing God and they're really mad at God and they're like, what are you doing to me? You know, you should just curse God and you should just turn away. Wow. How many of you know if you do that and you think like that, you're going to have trouble? But historically, Christians have always defended God. I mean, whether you go to Augustine, Aquinas, Luther, Calvin, Arrhenius, any of these guys, they defended God's character uh, against evil. And they would say, listen, God is a good God, but evil things happen in the world. And that's part of the journey. Proverbs 12, 21 says it this way. It says, no harm will come to the godly, but the wicked will have their fill of trouble. But, 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 but hold it. How many of us have known Christians that harm has come to them? Okay, but the harm that you saw come to Christians came on earth, right? And what Peter tries to get you to do is set your mind on heavenly things and go, listen, you can get hurt here. I mean, Peter was gonna be crucified upside down. Come on, help me. In a year from the time he wrote this, he'd be crucified upside down. But he's still saying, it's okay. I have a living hope. They can't kill me. You know, they can take my life off the planet, but they can't kill me because my life is indestructible in Christ. So he had this great, massive, eternal perspective that wouldn't allow him to, to yield to that. Isaiah 3.10 says this, tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned, but the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. How many know that's a bad thing? You don't want to be on that camp, right? But, but it says, listen, tell the godly that they will get what they deserve. Most of us believe, listen, in some fashion, and this is important that you kind of get this as you jump into Peter, that like what goes around comes around. Have you ever said that? Kind of what goes around comes around. We call it, in, the, in Christianity, we call it reaping and what? Sowing, sowing and reaping, reaping and sowing. That what you sow, you're going to what? 
You're going to reap. You're going to get it back. And the, and the reality is that we often tie pain to punishment. We think like this. We think, oh, man, if God loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. And so if I feel some pain, I'm being what? I'm being punished. And a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us feel that way. We feel like pain is, listen, punishment. Even the word that we get, listen, the word pain comes from the Latin word ponia, which means penalty or punishment. The Latin word that we, that we get our word pain from literally means penalty or punishment. So we often equate what? Pain or suffering with what? Punishment. We do. And Peter doesn't. That's what's so great about this. Peter's like, listen, some hard times are coming, but it's going to be okay. We're going to fly over that. We got hope even when other people don't have hope. We can do what other people can't do because we have Jesus. We have resurrection life. And we ought to celebrate that. Home, online, here, we ought to celebrate that because it's an amazing thing. The Bible, friends, is full of stories of suffering. It's just full of stories of suffering over and over. Think about Joseph. I mean, remember Joseph, how much he went through, man, thrown in jail, unjustly accused. He, he spent 13 years of suffering in order to rise above the crowd and change the world. And that's sometimes the journey that God takes us on is a hard journey and then to a, a release into this great, amazing destiny. And so when you look at this and you think about suffering, think like Peter does. Peter would say things like this. It creates courage, strength, perseverance, things that money can't buy. That's what suffering does with us. It allows us to grow as people. It allows us to grow as people. So let's talk about Peter because this is such a great, great story. Peter, it was, he had suffered a lot. He was gonna suffer a lot more in the next year, but he is actually called the apostle of hope because he is always about what? Hope, it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better, it's always about hope. And so Peter had this strength that came out of the kingdom of God. And here's something, I just want you to get this little thought that's up on the screen. Hope is the bridge faith needs when our circumstances and our theology don't meet. Think about that. Hope, hope is the bridge that faith needs when our circumstances and our theology don't meet. So your theology would be, I believe God is good, he's good all the time. Ah, it's hard. My life, I just got laid off work. My family's sick. Whatever's happening to you, your theology doesn't meet. But listen, hope is a bridge that your faith needs when your circumstances and theology don't meet. So when it gets hard, you just think like this, I'm just gonna keep hoping in God. I'm gonna keep hoping in God. I'm not gonna yield to despair. I'm gonna just keep hoping in God. And that word hope, you know, for us, a lot of the word hope is kind of wimpy. I mean, we, when we think about the word hope, we think, of the word, I wish. So have you ever said, I hope for something? You know, I really hope this goes well today. So what are you saying if you say that? You're saying, I what? I wish this would, would happen for me. I wish this would go well for me. I wish this would take place. But the reality is that is not what the Bible means. So you might sit down and say, I hope this is a good movie. That is not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible says, you know, when you hope in God, it's not a wish, it's a fact. It's a, it's a certainty, it's a rock that you can build your life on. That, that's the whole picture here. The Bible doesn't use it that way. It says over and over, not I wish, I know. That's what Peter's saying. I have this living hope that no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. You kill my body, but you can't kill my heart. You can't kill my soul. You can't kill my spirit. You cannot destroy what God has birthed because it's supernatural. It's resurrection. It's powerful. 
And so that's the whole picture, the whole picture, the whole picture of 1 Peter. So let's read it together. You got your Bible, your iPad, your phone at home or out here. It says that Peter, in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. He's really writing to a whole bunch of people. So it's kind of like this. It's like whether you're scattered out here in the crowd or you're scattered at home, Peter's writing to a whole bunch of different groups of people because he knows everybody goes through the same stuff. And so he says this. He says in verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, you are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May his grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Then he says these great verses in verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope. The word is zoe. Some of you might remember when I taught the book of John a few years ago. It's been a long time, actually, more than a few years ago now. But we talked about the word zoe. Anybody remember that? Zoe. Zoe and bios are the two words in the Greek language for life. So bios means that your biology is where we get that word from, bios, biology. It means you have a heartbeat. It means your heart is pumping. You are alive, right? That is not what zoe means. Zoe means this, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, your life is full, your heart is not just beating and you wish you could get out of here, you're like, no way, man, my life is full, I have life, I have life, I have life, I mean, God has poured out his riches on me, I have life, that's what Zoe means. So when when Peter says this, when he says, you have been born again to a living hope, a hope with destiny. How did that happen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That that Easter story is where we always go to. Is that right, Christians? We go to the Easter story, we go to the Easter story, we go to the Easter story because the Easter story is our hope, right? It's our hope, it's our life. We go back to the resurrection, we say everything pivoted on the resurrection, everything pivoted on Jesus Christ coming back from the dead. And so he says, when that happened, you were able to uh, obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are protected. Listen to his words. He's talking about struggle, but he goes, listen to this. You're protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last days or the last times. So he says, you are guarded by God. And he's warning people that Nero was going to kill a bunch of these people. And he's saying, listen, even though he kills your body, you're protected. You have an inheritance. So what does that mean for us? It means this. If you're struggling with suffering or a battle going on in your life, think like this. Don't focus on the moment. Focus on the destiny. That's what made people in the Bible so successful. They weren't looking at the moment going, oh man, I'm dying. Oh man, I'm hurting. They, they weren't focused on the moment. They were focused on eternity. That's what Peter just said. Listen, focus on this. You have this inheritance. Nobody can take it from you. It's imperishable. It won't go away. Jesus got it for you out of the grave when he rose from the dead, and you got it now because he gave it to you as a gift. It's your inheritance. Somebody say, yay, God. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing picture. Hope doesn't mean it won't be hard, but Peter says, but, 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 hold it, Christians. You have an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, 
It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God for the salvation that's going to come. And then he says this in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. I hope you do. Greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So he's saying, listen, I know you're getting hit in the head with some things. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're getting hammered with some stuff. Don't give up. Don't give up. I know that there's various struggles going on, but, but, but rejoice. Rejoice. Come on, rejoice. You got to rejoice, church. You got to rejoice. Rejoicing releases the passion, the heart of God in you. You got to rejoice. And so Peter says, rejoice in what you've got. Because here it is. Watch this, verse 7. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, something that would disappear, even though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise, glory, and honor. Friends, when you come to worship, you need to come to worship. You need to come to rejoice. You need to come and say, listen, yeah, it's hard sometimes right now, but hey, I'm good. I have this imperishable hope. Nobody's going to take it from me. Nobody can steal my joy. Nobody can steal my joy. Nobody can steal my joy because Jesus Christ bought it with his blood. You got to read it. Say, thank you. I appreciate that. We got one excited person down in the front row here. I hope some of you at home are excited too. Okay. Let's keep going here because this is, this is really good. When you get into this, he's literally saying no person can steal your joy from you. And then he says this. He says in verse 8, And though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And though you don't even see him now, but you believe in him. So greatly rejoice. Listen to these words. Greatly rejoice with joy, unspeakable or inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. So here's the picture. Christians, 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 rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always in the Lord. That's what Peter's saying. Nobody can steal your joy. Rejoice in Jesus. He has given you this massive gift. And Paul's like, look, it's better than gold, better than silver, better than houses, better than cars. Nobody can take this from you. This is your hope, believers. Be steadfast, immovable, stay in it. The proof of your faith, more precious than gold, which will perish, even though it's been tested by fire, your faith should result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you don't see him now, but you believe in him, greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. Friends, that only comes from the power of the Spirit. You gotta get that in your head. Some of you are like, man, you're like trying to do a cheerleading thing on me. No, 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 no. I'm trying to get you to figure this out. Open up to the power of the Spirit, and you can rejoice with joy unspeakable in the midst of difficulty. You can put suffering in the rearview mirror and hope out in front of you. When the power of the Spirit comes on you and the Holy Spirit starts to refocus you from the things that are here to the things that are out there in eternity, and you start to go, okay, I lost sight of Jesus. I lost sight of his goodness. I lost sight of his hope. Friends, refocus. Peter's really got a great message here. He's like, get your head out of there and back here. Because he said, if you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with a joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining his outcome the, uh, the, uh, of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Then he says in verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of this grace 
would come to, 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 that this grace would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries. They were chasing after God. They had this sense of something coming. They had this sense of like, God is up to something. You ever feel that? God is up to something. I can't figure out what it is, but he's up to something. I'm going to dig in the word. I'm going to try to figure out, God, what are you up to? This is a different time. This is a different season. You're up to something. Some of you ought to be feeling that right now. Whether you're here, whether you're at home, you ought to be feeling that right now. You ought to be thinking, God, what are you up to? It says the prophets, those who prophesied uh, of the grace that was going to come, the hope that was going to come, they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. It was revealed to them, to these prophets. I've actually just finished a study this week on the prophet Samuel that I'm going to be bringing to you this fall. Great study out of 1 Samuel on the prophet Samuel because he was one of these guys. He was one of these guys that just had the heart of God, knew God was up to something, chased after God, chased after God, and chased after God. It says they were after, after, after this supernatural revelation, and he says they, they would predict the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but they were serving you, you, me, us. In these things which now have been announced to you, watch this, this is so great. They've been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Friends, if you don't catch this tonight, if you don't get this today, I mean, if this is it. This is the one thing you take away. Angels are hungry to figure out what God is up to. They are out there all the time looking and going, what are you doing, God? When are you sending your son again? When are you going to come and rescue these people? What are you? They're searching for the things that God the Father's doing. And the Bible says, Peter says, listen, God is revealing to you through the power of his spirit, those of you chase after him, he's revealing to you things that angels long to look at and can't see. I mean, come on, you got to get this. This is so important for you believers. You need to dig in the word. You need to dig into worship. You need to dig in the heart of your father. And you need to say, I am hungry for you to reveal to me the things that angels long to see. He's literally said he'll tell you, but he's not going to tell them. It's an amazing thought. I want to tell you, if you chase after me, I want to tell you what I'm up to. But the angels, they're dying to know. And I'm going to tell you because I'm crazy about y'all. I'm going to tell you not them. I'm going to tell you. That's what Peter's saying here. And then he goes on and he says this, and this is so good in verse 13. Verse 13, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You ought to underline that and write 2020 next to it. No, you really should, because this is the year we all want to go away. Is that right? I mean, really, come on, we want this year to go away. But watch this. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what did he just say? Watch this, please watch this. We're spending way too much time alone, a lot of us at home. We're spending way too much time without focus and entering back into the battle. Think like this. If you study David's life, and how he ended up in trouble, losing his whole destiny, the greatness of David's destiny, though he was the rising star of all of Israel, when did he crash and burn? Come on, when did he crash and burn? When he fell for Bathsheba, is that right? That's when he crashed and burned. 
When did that happen? The Bible's really clear about when that happened. You search the scriptures, you'll find that. Very clear, he said this. He said, listen, David, as kings do, he came in and went out. He came in and went out. He went out and came in. Well, what did he come in for? He came in to get renewed and refreshed. What did he go out for? The battle, always the battle. Friends, it's a picture of you and me. You're supposed to come into the presence of God, get refreshed, and then go back out to the what? To the battle. But too many of us have quit doing that. We've said, well, we're, we're locked up at home. Well, we can't do this. Well, we can't do this. Then we can't have this event at church now. We can't do this thing. Well, I'm just going to stay home. Well, let me tell you what happens when you stay home and do nothing. You end up on the roof like David. That's what happens. You end up on the roof like David. You lose your destiny. You do stupid things. You do things that you regret the rest of your life. You need, friends, all of us need to go in and get refreshed and then go back out into the battle. The battle is still raging. People still need Jesus. Do, do you understand? Yes. You need to get equipped. You come in and get refreshed. You come to worship, you get refreshed. You get the word, you get refreshed. Then you go what? You go back out to battle. And we're, gonna, we're working on a whole bunch of things to bring to you this fall so we can start trying to touch people and gather people and do some things even in smaller circles like this than we would maybe do inside of a building. But friends, we gotta be strategic. The battle is still on. We're, we're not, this isn't like a furlough where you're furloughed out of Christianity, friends. That isn't supposed to happen. People need Jesus. And you've got an, a joy un, unspeakable, inexpressible. You have what the world needs right now. You have that. We gotta get back out to the battle. Does that make sense? We gotta get back out to the battle. Okay, watch this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Rethink where you're living. Be sober in your spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you. Don't let other things steal Jesus from you. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the things you used to do, former lust, things that were dumb. He says literally that you did in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior, because it is written, you should be holy for I am holy. Let's talk about that for a minute. We don't talk about holiness very much anymore in the church. We, we don't, because everybody freaks out. We're like, what does that mean? What does it mean? It means be holy. I mean, when I talk to you about being holy, I always try to help you understand this, be whole. Doing things in ignorance that are lustful in your flesh fracture you. They break you apart. You break your heart apart. They break your life apart. Jealousy, anger, envy, strife, all of those things shatter your heart. They break you to pieces. Holiness puts you back what? Together. God makes you whole because God is holy. That means that he is front to back, top to bottom, always the same. He has integrity. He's, always, he's whole. Integer means whole. God is holy. He's always together. What, what is Peter saying here? He says, be holy like the holy one who called you. Be holy yourselves in all of your behavior. This is interesting because this is a command, an imperative command. This isn't like, I hope you'll be holy. No, he's not saying that. He's going, you gotta do this, believers. You gotta do this. You gotta be set apart. You gotta look different. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean? It doesn't mean this, try to be good all the time. It, do, it doesn't mean that. When, when I was little, I was little ones. 
My mom used to put us up against the door and measure us. You ever do this at home? She put a ruler on my head and I would go. She'd go, put your feet flat on the floor and keep your head straight. Well, I wanted to be taller. And I thought if I lifted my head up a little bit, that's how come my neck got so long. And I thought if I just lifted my head up a little bit more, I'd get a little bit more of an inch, right? Some of you think that way about being holy. All the stretching I did at the wall never made me taller. I got taller because it was in the genes. It was in my DNA. Holiness, if you know Jesus, is in your DNA. It is. It's in your DNA. The Holy Spirit downloaded it inside of you. The Holy Spirit put inside of you a desire for holiness. The problem with us is we don't respond to the Spirit calling us out of darkness into the light. We gravitate back into things that Peter says were ignorant, former lusts that were ignorant. We're like, oh, I can watch that on TV. I can do it. No, you can't. That's ignorant. Don't do that. If you do that, you don't respond to the call of the Spirit and, and the work of the Spirit inside of you. You respond to your flesh. You respond to your flesh yourself. You respond to the Spirit, you grow. And Peter's trying to say to you, listen, listen, you can do this. Let the Spirit guide you. Let the Spirit beckon you. Let the Spirit call you into fellowship with Jesus, and it's all good. It's all good. You'll like it. You were made for this. It's in your DNA. So he literally says, he literally says, you were, you were called to be holy in all your behavior, because it is written you should be holy because God is holy. If you, he says in verse 17, if you address the Father as the one who impartially judges according to each person's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time that you're on earth. Be wise and honor God in what you do, friends. That's what he's saying. Make decisions that are life-giving. Don't make excuses for doing wrong things. Make decisions to do right things. Too many of us, I hear too many Christians today, they just give themselves a pass. It's like, I know God said don't do this. I know God said don't watch this. I know God said don't, but, but he'll forgive me. You know what Peter says about that? You're ignorant. You don't understand your calling. You don't understand your destiny. You don't understand your possibility that God can put inside of you. You're missing all that Jesus has for you. That's what Peter's trying to say. So he says this, if you address the, as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves with fear during your time in the earth, knowing, watch this, knowing that you were not redeemed with something perishable, like silver or gold from your futile way of life, that you inherited, watch this, from who? Your forefathers. You ended up doing dumb things because your grandfather and grandmother did dumb things. And your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother did dumb things. That's why you do dumb things. It's in your DNA. That's what he's saying. But, 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 but hold it. When you meet Jesus, you get a new download and a new, a new DNA. That's what he's telling you. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to be bound by those old curses. You have the freedom to break those things and set a new pace for your children, your children's children, your children's children's children, that the blessing of God would follow you front and back and top and bottom. That's really what Peter's saying here. Break those curses. Do what your grandparents couldn't do because you have new DNA. Literally says, break that feudal life of inherited, that you inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood 
The lamb, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ will break the darkness. You have new DNA. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he appeared in these last days for your sake, through whom he, whom believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So he goes back to faith and hope. And he said, listen, all that happened to Jesus, all that happened to Jesus, all that happened, it circles back around and back around to one thing. What is it? Hope in God. Hope in God, hope in God, hope in God, he'll take care of you. Hope in God, he'll do it. Hope in God, he's got it. Hope in God, over and over and over. And then finally, in verse 22, he says, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like time alone with God. I mean, you need time alone with God, friends. I need time alone with God. You need, I need a haircut. It's illegal to get a haircut in California. I'm joking. It, it really, it's, you need time alone with God because watch what happens if you have time alone with God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, how do I purify my soul so I love other people? Time alone with God. Worship. Receiving the Holy Spirit's power, the DNA, the new download. I need that every day. And watch this, when that happens, this supernatural little word that I love so much pops up. It says this, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from your heart. Fervently love one another from your heart. It doesn't say, hey, be nice to each other, hang out with each other. It doesn't say that. It says, fervently love one another. The word is ekteno. Ekteno. Ek means out, teno means stretch. To fervently love the people around you, you need to what? Stretch out. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out, get back in the battle. Stretch out. Do the things that make you uncomfortable sometimes. Stretch out. Do the things that the Spirit of God is inviting you to do. Stretch out. God will do the rest. Fervently love the people around you. Fervently love the people that you're, your neighbors at work, at school, at home, wherever you're hanging. Fervently love the people around you. He doesn't just say be nice to them. That's what we think. Be not, no, 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 no. He's not talking about that. Passion only comes from the Spirit of God. For you have been born again. You've been born again. Watch this download of DNA again. You can't do it on your own. You've got to have the power of the Spirit. For you've been born again, not of a seed, which is perishable, but one that's imperishable. That is through the living, enduring word of God. So clearly, Peter's saying this, you need the word of God in your life every day. Living word, a rhema word. Not just to read the book. You read the book believing that God will speak the word. You read the book, you worship believing God will speak the word to you. And he says this, since you have this amazing thing happening to you, this seed which is imperishable, which is not perishable, it is imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For he says this about the rest of your life. Watch this. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of God endures forever. Yeah. You know what he just said? Y'all are getting old and dying. <laughs> no, that's what he just said. I don't care if you're 12 or 15 or 22, you're getting old and you're dying. Everybody is getting old and dying. That's what he just said. He said, listen, your flesh is just like this. It's just like this. 
It's here today and gone tomorrow. Here today and gone tomorrow. It's in and it's out. I know you think you're the one that's going to live forever. It ain't happening unless you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you have an imperishable seed. That's what he said. You have this amazing imperishable seed. But, but if you're just trying to put all your hope in your flesh, he said it's going to wither. The flower's going to fall off. But the word that the Lord spoke to you, that will last forever, forever, forever. And this is the word which was preached to you by Peter. Great, great, great story. Isn't it a great story? I want to ask you if you're at home, just to bow your head. If you're out here, let's stand up together. God has made you a promise to make you holy. It's an amazing thought. Chase after him. Chase after him. He's got a seed which is imperishable. He wants to download a DNA to you you can't get anywhere else. We're not supposed to look like other people, friends. We're not supposed to act like other people. Peter said, fix your hope completely. Fix your hope completely on Jesus. Put your eyes on the king. Put your eyes on the king, and you'll experience the grace that is to come. So, Father, we come to you right now. In our homes, our cars, here on the patio, we just say, Holy Spirit, we want your DNA. We want your power. We want your life. Breathe fresh on us today. Breathe new on us today. Wherever we're at, whatever part of the world we're in, here in this, wherever we're at, breathe fresh on us today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we receive your gift of imperishable life Joy unspeakable every day. Hope that cannot be stolen from us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. It's great to be with you. Whether you're online or you're here, it's just great, great, great to be with you. That's amazing. It's amazing to be out here. Great evening, isn't it? It's a great evening. I want to ask you, if you need prayer, there'll be people in here praying for you. Socially distanced with masks on, they'd like to pray over you if you need prayer. I need to ask you to take your seat covers off, put them in the trash on the way out, and have a great, great week. Take some time this week, read the book of 1 Peter. God bless you.